it starts. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this, you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learnt it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, My name is Sarah, if I've not met you before. Uh, Me and Carl lead this church with a lovely team of Dan and Deborah and Mari. Um, I'm just going to grab that stand for a minute, but just chat to the person next to you. When was the last time you got a written letter, a handwritten letter in the post? Um, Not a card, a letter. Go. Okay. I cannot actually remember the last time I got a written letter. Anyone else? Is there anyone who's never received a handwritten letter? I'm sure there are some of us that are young enough to remember. You've never received a handwritten... Oh, Jack, never mind. Maybe one day. So, uh, this picture up here is a lovely picture. It's got absolutely nothing to do with my talk, by the way, but it's a nice picture, and it's a peaceful picture, so I thought I'm going to leave it on there. But this passage that we've just read is a letter. So the Bible is made up of lots of different books. Some are historical, some are poetry, and this is a letter, a handwritten letter. And we're going to look at the people that this letter involves. We're going to look at the problems. There's always a problem. When there's a letter, there's always a problem. And we're going to look at Paul's prayerful wisdom. Three Ps for you there. So the people, the problem, and Paul's prayerful wisdom. So, um, I don't know whether I've got... That's it. Okay, so the people, we've got... Paul is writing the letter. And Paul um, is what we call an apostle. It just means that he is one sent by God to tell of Jesus and who he is and what he's done. So Paul is writing this letter, and he's there with Timothy. Um, That's not his actual brother, Timothy. It's more a bit like my bro, Timothy, kind of thing. It's like a a mate, and Timothy's there, and he just, I don't know. I'm assuming he contributed in some way. I kind of picture it, 
A bit like when I ring my dad and my mum's in the background saying things. It's that kind of thing. That's what Timothy is doing. And they are writing because Epiphras has gone to see them. Epiphras has started this new church um, in the city of Colossae. And he's gone to Paul to seek some wisdom and advice because Paul has set up many, many churches. At this point, Paul is actually in prison. But those are the people involved. And this new church in the city of Colossae, and Colossae is not a major city, it's a bit of a minor city. I'm thinking maybe Coventry type kind of thing. It's a minor city, but it's a very diverse city. And so this new church is made up of people from many different backgrounds and they're figuring out together what it means to be a group of people devoted to Jesus in that place. So that is the people. The problem, the problems are that they're coming under huge amounts of pressure from the surrounding culture. Um, and and the, there are many schools of thoughts in that culture and the details of them are a bit complex, and, and we don't need to go into those details. But basically, what we do need to know is that these schools of thoughts and ideas are seeping into the church and questioning the divinity of Jesus. They're blurring who Jesus is and what he has done. So to summarize, this is a letter to a newish church, perhaps a couple of years old, full of people from many different backgrounds trying to work out what it is to be devoted to Jesus in a particular place and they are coming under pressure to conform to surrounding culture resonate a little bit that is it's, he could be writing this letter to us there are moments of that that resonate with us so have a little moment to think again on your tables. What do you think are the big voices at the moment in our culture? The things that are, sort of, that are good and bad in our culture at the moment. And if you're familiar to church, what are those some things that have seeped into our church? I'm just going to give you 30 seconds to chat with the person next to you. What are the big voices in our culture? Right. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. So, I don't know what some of the things, are. I mean, does anyone want to shout out a couple of things that they mentioned? Are we feeling brave? Issues around identity, yeah, that's a big, a big thing at the moment, isn't it? Absolutely. It's those things and any, any other things? Social media, yeah, it's the influence, isn't it? There's lots of different voices, lots of different... There's so much information at the moment, isn't it, that we can get bombarded. Any more? One more? Climate change. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? There's a lot about climate change and saving our planet. Okay, so Paul's prayer for wisdom. Let's look at Paul's prayer for wisdom, that his wisdom into this church figuring out how to be, what to do with all these, the noise that's going on around them. And the first thing I want to say is that Paul brings us back to the simplicity of the gospel. 
Really, his whole letter to the Colossians brings us back to the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us and what that means for us. He brings us back to the simplicity of the gospel in a world that's full of noise. So we, like the Colossians, are surrounded, aren't we? We've just talked about it. All those things, some good, some bad. I was thinking of the woke culture. I feel about 150 every time I say woke. I don't even know what it is. But anyway, that whole, there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of conflict and cynicism as well, even within the church. And Jill Duff, who is the Bishop of Lancashire, she's a lovely northern lass, she says that the 200 years of, of critical biblical scholarship, so what that means is there's Bible nerds that talk about the Bible a little bit too much, in the Christian West has buried essential life-giving strands of the Christian message. There's a lot of noise in the church, outside the church, that blurs who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And Paul, in his wisdom, says to the church in Colossae and to us, it's applicable to, remember the true message. Come back to the true message of Jesus and who he is. And that's what he says in verse 5. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that springs from hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard the true message of the gospel. And it's really simple. And I don't know whether you've heard it a hundred times or maybe you've never heard it, but I want us to get back to the true, the simplicity of the message of Jesus today. And I'm going to share that with us. And whether you've heard it before, I just want you to hear it again afresh. And I want you to hear this. If you hear nothing else today, I want you to hear that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And it's not a mushy, sentimental love. It's a love that is willing to die for you. And we know, don't we, that the world is a mess. We know it's a mess. I don't really even need to explain that. We only need to look around us. We know that the world is a mess, but it was never as God intended it to be. But from the very first humans, we turned our backs away from God. We said, thanks, but I'm going to do it my way. And that is why we are in the mess that we are in. And we try to escape it, don't we? We try to escape the brokenness through so many things, through adventures or being eco-conscious or having an Instagram life or whatever it may be. Or we want more stuff, but yet we yearn for something more. We can't escape the brokenness alone. And that is why God sent Jesus Because God hates the mess, the brokenness, the pain, and the sin. But he loves the people that made the mess. He loves you and he loves me. And if you hear one thing today, hear that. And God did what we cannot do for ourselves. We can't escape the brokenness ourselves. So he sent his son to die on the cross, to take on the sin and brokenness. And he died and he rose again three days later. So that when we turn and believe that message, we say, I want you to be the boss of my life. We receive forgiveness. 
and we're able to pursue God's design for us. And that is the gospel, and that is the true message of Jesus that Paul is talking about here. He, and that's what he says. He's, we, Jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption. That means in whom we can be made good and forgiven for our sins. That is the true message, and I really believe that today, whether you've heard that before, God is saying, look at it afresh. In whatever your circumstances are, you know, the Colossians, there was all this noise, but I think for some of us, it's just the struggle of life. That every day, the going to a difficult job, the parenting, whatever it may be, I believe that God is calling us again to the simplicity of the gospel. We overcomplicate it so much, but it is simple. God loves you so much he was willing to die for you so that you may live. And I believe that that is what we are to focus on. I love this quote by Mark Sayer. I don't know whether you can put it up for me, Steve. Throughout history, God has replenished cultures through the witness of minorities of believers who hold true to their beliefs while being blessing the surrounding culture. Like I pray that for our church, that as we come back to that simple message and we hold true to that and bless the culture around us, that's all he asks of us. And that is my prayer for our church. So one, he's calling us back to the simplicity of the gospel. Two, the correct knowledge of God. So we as this church, uh, church, are we thinking about going deeper with God? That's our sort of year look at how we can walk deeper with God. And I wonder what that conjures up in your mind to go deeper. And I think maybe sometimes what we do is we think about reading more, listening to more podcasts, maybe even fasting or whatever it may be. I think our natural inclination to think deeper is to go that way. And we begin to rely on human knowledge and wisdom. And this is one of the problems with the church in Colossae, that there were many who were relying on human knowledge and wisdom. But actually, what Paul says in this, this passage and what he's talking about when he talks about knowledge, in verse 9 he says, his prayer is that you would be filled with the correct knowledge, that word knowledge that he used, that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom. That word knowledge is correct knowledge, the precise knowledge. And the word that Paul, um, and what Paul is really saying is that the knowledge is not a, a knowledge of facts. It's not an accumulation of facts, but it's a knowledge of his presence. When we become Christians, God implants in us his presence and his love. And the knowledge that Paul is talking about here is about us having a sense of his presence and his overwhelming love. And that is how God transforms us. God transforms. When we accept and receive his love, when we're going deeper, it's about an inner transformation. Love can transform us. My sister used to make a joke about... Um, they would tell some hideous story from my youth or something like that. And my sister used to say, oh, that was Sarah B.C. 
And she didn't mean before Christ. She actually meant before Carl. <laughs> because the love of another person for who you are, as you are, is transforming. And the love of the creator, God, for who you are, as you are, exactly as you are, it is transformative. And when we start in that place of going deeper, his love can change us. So it's not an accumulation of facts. Reading the Bible is good. I'm not saying don't read Bibles, and I'm not saying don't listen to podcasts. But actually, let's pray that we would be filled with his personal presence, and we would allow that to transform us. Because things take root in our heart, don't they? All the things of life hit us and come at us, and we lose sight of who Jesus is. It's a bit like a windscreen. You know when your windscreen gets really muddy and flies all over it? And we lose sight of who Jesus is, what he has done for us, and how much God loves us. And I think he's calling us back to those two things today, to remember that, and to be filled afresh again with his personal presence and love. Mm -hmm.